1: All righty, away we go. Hour number
0: three of our radio program on a big football Monday right here as we react to all the craziness from this weekend. And uh, we do have our final week nine game later tonight. The Los Angeles Chargers visiting one of the worst stadiums in the NFL, MetLife Stadium, to go up against the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Once the show does end, even though I'm not a fan of the Chargers, nor the New York Jets, a buddy of mine is a big Jet fan. He's like, I want to go to the game. I want to go to the game. I want to go to the game. So that was him basically saying, go get two tickets. It's one of my best friends. I did that. So we're going to go to the game uh, right after the show. And the only way to make this game intriguing is probably have a few drinks beforehand and also get some good food as well. And I want to quickly get involved in the tailgate scene at MetLife Stadium. And then you got to bet on the game, too. So, I don't know. It seems fishy. Austin Eckler, anytime touchdowns, only at minus 105. Those odds seem way too low. Like, you would think they'd be up a lot more. Uh, But I did sprinkle a few uh, shekels on Austin Eckler. And then Brees Hall of the New York Jets, their really quick running back, he was at plus 125, so... I'm loading up tonight on the Anytime Touchdowns between the Jets and the Chargers. By the way, guys, just wondering, best tailgate food. You go to a football game. Stu, you go to see your pathetic Raiders who are smoking victory cigars after one win against the Giants, the little Giants. We will uh, get to the Raiders in just a second. And Samter, you're going to root for your Jets or your Chiefs, whatever team you're rooting for.
2: Hey, first win ever on German soil. Let's go Chiefs.
0: And, and you go to a football game. Now, let's just say you're not going to Kansas City because that changes, right, how food is done. Like, let's say you're going to just a normal football tailgate, not a specific location. What are you hoping? What is the one item that needs to be there? For a successful tailgate.
3: Stu, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll say something like a sausage or bratwurst or something of that regard, I think, is, at least for me, the number one uh, choice.
0: Yeah, a, a good sausage on, like, a bun with some onions and some some peppers. No one could go mm. wrong with a good sausage. A good, moist sausage, right?
3: <laughs> yes,
0: very moist. Samter?
2: I don't know how to respond to that one as I roll my eyes. My The back of my head is hurting from rolling my eyes so hard. Like well, you have to have some sort of a finger food or something you can walk around and eat, but if you have a good spot where you can sit down and like actually mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. a meal at a tailgate, there's nothing better than like a good barbecue or ribs or something that you can sloppy and just really just get get down into. But if you don't have that opportunity,
0: some moist ribs, you're saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, some ribs. Some, some something ribs. Gotcha. Uh, that's the best. Juicy, yeah. succulent ribs. But, but a good burger, if you have to, like, walk around, you can't sit down. A good burger that you can just one hand, that, that's the best.
0: So here is our spread. When I go to Patriot Games, I tailgate with uh, Ray Martell, who used to produce in this time slot, the legendary Sugar Ray Martell. And he is a friend who used to be a fire marshal at the police department or the, uh, the uh, firefighter uh, department, and uh, we call him the chief. And the chief has a brother who is Italian, and his brother owns a few pizza joints. So we go all out at the tailgates. Wings, to me, is the number one answer. I love wings. So we get wings on the grill. We also have sausage. We do our charcuterie as well. We'll do some shrimp. You have, um, like, everything. And then the brother brings these pizzas down from his place. And we put those up on the grill to, to warm them up a little bit. They got buffalo chicken pizza. Uh, they got uh, pepperoni pizza, sausage pizza, and all that stuff. So that's how I usually go for my tailgate. But I will say, after going to Kansas City, I don't know if there's a better tailgate city in the world than Kansas City. And we just got to see it for the draft because you're right, Samter. When you get the barbecue and you get like smoked ribs and you get brisket and And mac and cheese and fire kiss wings as well that we saw in Kansas City. You tailgate that way, it's just a different level. And I will say this, like I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of sporting events. A ton. March Madness, Super Bowls, uh, Stanley Cup, NBA, big time playoff games, World Series. Now I'm going to Michigan, Ohio State this year, uh, Thanksgiving weekend in the big house in Ann Arbor. But the one thing I want to do, and I think I'm going to do this trip next year, I want to go to an SEC football game down in the South. Uh, have you guys ever been to an SEC football game where it's not like a neutral site game? I'm talking about like on the on the campus, or, you know, you go in, and uh, see LSU play or you go to Alabama. Uh, that's what I want to see. Like next year I may want to go to LSU, Alabama. That, that's something that's on, on the radar of Zach Gell because – the tailgate scene and the and the party scene, like a, a friend of mine, he married um a gal who uh who went to uh, hottie Toddy, uh, Ole Miss, and just their tailgate scene and the videos that I see from their tailgates are just bonkers. So SEC football game is something that uh maybe we could do it as a show trip, right? I'm sure if we hit up the company and say, hey, you know, it's a good bonding experience, let's pay for it. I'm sure they'd be uh, down for it, right? No. Oh no. Oh okay. Well, geez. trying to get us uh oh team building good camaraderie on this Monday and there goes Santa just in a, a miserable mood. I'm going to start calling you miserable well, Mike.
2: I'm down going. I'm down to go. We can we can head down there and do our thing, but you know.
0: You just don't think the company will uh No, no, no. no. dish out the cash for it.
2: No. Okay. I mean, anyway. if we can find a way to make it um uh Work-related, okay. as opposed to tailgate-related, and mm-hmm. I think that would be more beneficial.
0: All right, we got to start sucking up to one of our affiliates in the south. There you go. <laughs> Make sure there's a reason for for us to definitely be there. We got to fly Zach and Samter and Stu out there, and we're gonna have a grand old time, and we're gonna lead the the biggest tailgate party ever. I'm in. Who's with me? I'm going to
2: wear an Odyssey t-shirt and just walk around the stands. Hey,
0: guys, look at this thing. Someone throw some eggs at you or something like that. So uh, Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon, breaking news, has announced that Kyler Murray is expected to start Sunday versus the Falcons. This isn't a surprise because he had the 21-day window that was opened up when he returned to practice. He has not played the last two weeks. So the days were winding down before he had to be. Um, elevated to the active roster. So Kyler Murray expected to start this week. Um, I'm surprised actually from, if you would ask me before the start of the season, if he would have been back by the middle of November, I would have said no, because he tore that ACL late in the season. And I didn't think there was an incentive really for him to return after getting all the money. But with that being said, he's playing the final, not uh, final eight, seven weeks of the season, whatever it is for his job for the future. And when I look at Kyler Murray, who I do think if he became available via trade, even with the contract and some of the uncertainties, I do think he would be an attractive option. Because like, let's say if you're looking for a quarterback and you don't have a top five pick and you're not able to go draft Drake May or Caleb Williams, whoever the big name is, and there's not a quarterback that you love, well, like Kyler Murray, you at least know he's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's great. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. But he's paid like one, and bare minimum, he has displayed in his young career that he could be a good quarterback. Now, he needs to put in more of the time. He needs to put in more effort. He needs to be more committed to his craft because it's no secret when you pay someone that much money, and you have to put a clause, a study clause in the contract where they eventually wiped away because they got embarrassed when it was released publicly. It shows that they wanted to, bare minimum, send the message, we need you to study more. We don't trust you to prepare what a franchise quarterback does and what needs to do in order to become great. And Kyler Murray has the ability in terms of talent and athleticism to be great. But so far in the NFL we've only seen him be good. And remember it wasn't that long ago where the Cardinals were rolling and in the second half of the season they shut down and then he was embarrassed in that playoff game against the Rams as with the entire team, but he didn't take it on the chin afterwards and he got very defensive. and then he made this story and he made the the game turn out to be even though it was bad, worse than it needed to be because people would have just slammed you for 48 hours and then they would have moved on. You brought it back up because you basically made it appear that you were done with the organization because you thought you had to take too much of the L in that playoff game. But for Kyler Murray now, even though Cliff Kingsbury and him at a time were very close, Jonathan Gannon has been nothing but complimentary, even though he's the defensive guy, to Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray... Is in a bizarre opportunity. Because I'm sure there's a portion of the Cardinals fan base that's already done with the guy. And they want to see this team be as bad as possible. And they don't have the luxury anymore when they made that trade with the Texans and they got the Texans pick. Everyone thought before the season started that the Texans would have been picking in the top five of the draft. Now the Texans are somewhat of a good team. And the Texans are 4-4. Four and four, So that's not going to be as good of a draft pick as you thought. Now, for the Cardinals' sake... They only got one win. So they could have a great draft pick in their own right. But now it's different because if Kyler Murray really is that dude, you should be able to think that this guy will be able to go win a few more games. And if that's the case, he could put you out a position to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. And you look at their schedule the rest of the way. They play the Falcons. They play the Texans. They play the Rams. They play the Steelers. You play the 49ers, you play the Bears, you play the Eagles, you play the Seahawks. So you have some tough games. Like Seahawks are in division tough. Eagles, tough. 49ers, division, tough. But when you get to some of these other games like Atlanta and the Rams and the Bears, you know, those are winnable games for them. So if they go win four games this year and Kyler Murray wins three games down the stretch, he could assure that he's going to be the quarterback at least for next year For the Arizona Cardinals. But if they're in the top three. And Kyler Murray doesn't play well. And they have an opportunity to draft. Drake May. Caleb Williams. The two guys that we've talked about the most. I think they're going to draft him. I do. And then that turns into a situation. Of where does Kyler Murray wind up next. Because there will be a team. If not multiple teams. That are interested even with the contract. In the services of Kyler Murray, because how many times do we see a quarterback who's been a lot worse than Kyler Murray be young, and teams go, oh, the organization messed him up. Oh, that was a joke of an organization. Oh, my ego says to me that I'll be able to bring Kyler Murray in and get the best out of him. And Kyler Murray's still young. So teams will be willing to take a shot on him. And when you look around, let's say, be the Cardinals' preference not to trade him inside the NFC. Let's say if you look at the AFC, Could the Raiders maybe be a destination? You look around, outside of that, you know, do the Patriots want to go bring him in? I don't think Bill Belichick and Kyler Murray, if work ethic is a problem, really mesh. You know, does Tennessee want to pull the trigger? But Will Levis has played really well through the first two games of the season. Who knows how we're talking about Will Levis at the end of the year. So the AFC does not have a lot of good destinations or a robust field. But inside the NFC, there's a few that stand out. The Giants could be in need of a quarterback. Daniel Jones is towards ACL. And I'm talking about for next year. And maybe they're picking in the top five of the draft. You look in the NFC North, Kirk Cousins don't come back with the Vikings. I know Josh Jobs had a great performance, but Kyler Murray with Justin Jefferson and Addison, hello, that would be a lot of speed. If the Packers want to give up on Jordan Love, could Kyler Murray wind up at legendary Lambeau Field? And the NFC South, there's no long-term quarterbacks there. You now, Bryce Young is going to be given the opportunity. He could be the guy with the Panthers. The Bucs are going to need a quarterback after this year. The Falcons, that's a good destination. Imagine Kyler Murray, regardless of what you think about him, with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and Tyler Algier. So there's more destinations in the NFC, and you know who may actually be the best destination? They won't do this because it's trading in division. I look at the Seahawks. If things continue to trend in the wrong direction for Geno Smith, you talk about a good destination. Seattle's defense is young, up and coming, and then offensively, you have D.K. Metcalf, the Ageless Wonder in Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith in Jigba, and two running backs in Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. The Seahawks actually could be the best destination there. And if Brock Purdy lays an egg down the stretch, the 49ers could be a good destination too. But I don't think the Cardinals would trade him inside the NFC West. But that's a major storyline to monitor. Because if the draft were tomorrow, Cardinals would have the number one pick. They'd be moving off of Kyler Murray. Bears have the second pick. That's from Carolina. The Bears have the third pick. That's their own pick. Giants, four. Patriots, five. Rams, six. Green Bay, seven. Tampa Bay, eight. Denver 9 and Tennessee 10. That's the top 10. And teams like the Bears. Teams like the Giants. The Patriots. And even the Rams. Who probably are looking for a new quarterback. Those teams are elated to hear that Kyler Murray's back. Because regardless of what you think about Kyler Murray. It makes them better. It makes the Cardinals better. And that could push them back a few spots. And your team could elevate. And find a way. To be picking number one and getting Caleb Williams or Drake May. All righty, I got to get to the Raiders here real quickly. So, Stu, before I play this report from Jake Laser, which I saw this yesterday as it was breaking, and I looked at it on Twitter about 10 times before I set an eye on football because I didn't believe it was true. I, I didn't believe it was true whatsoever. But the Raiders smashed the Giants yesterday. Unfortunately for the Giants, Daniel Jones is now done for the year, and the Giants are going to have to, with them, where they're picking at four, I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. I know he's paid like the guy right now, but with him now getting hurt once again, you're dealing with a neck injury, you're dealing with an ACL as well. Too many injuries are piling up for a guy that most people don't believe he's a franchise quarterback for you to continue to stick with him, and if you get a top five pick, and right now they're at four, I think they're going to find a way to scout and get a quarterback. You already saw Joe Shane this past weekend um, at the Washington-USC game looking at probably Caleb Williams and Michael Penix, both quarterbacks, because even though he didn't know that Daniel Jones was going to tear his ACL, you have to do your due diligence because Jones has been able to stay healthy nor show that this year he could continue the success that he had last year. But your Raiders, after getting tortured by Josh McDaniels, have Antonio Pierce elevated as the interim head coach. Josh McDaniel sent packing along with the GM in David Ziegler. And you guys smash, absolutely smash the Giants, which is the Giants, whatever. But now you guys are four and five, and people are like, all right, the Raiders are happy. They're smiling. They're smoking victory cigars after the game in the locker room. Now, Stu, you are like Raider fan numero uno. What was your reaction to your team smoking some victory cigars after they won their first game without Josh McDaniels as their head coach. I
3: certainly thought it was a little bit much considering the opponent. I mean, it's just beating the Giants. Might the be lowly the worst team. Giants. They might be the worst team. If not, they're one of the two or three worst teams. Uh, but I think it did signify what it meant to them. And really the weight that Josh McDaniels had on them. And the fact that they're... Like ding dong,
0: Josh McDaniels is dead.
3: Yes. I think it was more that than, okay, big win. It was more, okay... Weight off our shoulders. McDaniels is gone. Let's see what happens these last uh last few games of the season.
0: And not that this is a great team, but there is some talent. Like this is a yeah. team that they have three of the top 20, 15 players in the league with Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, and also Devonte Adams. So there is some talent there. And can they get hot? Can they go put Antonio Pierce in that position to get the job and contend for the playoffs? Like, I don't think they'll be a playoff team. But their outlook is a whole lot better with Antonio Pierce than Josh McDaniels. And that's clear after one lousy game against an an inept opponent in the New York Giants. Because if Josh McDaniels is coaching, I don't even know if they win the game. Because I don't know if Aiden O'Connell's even starting that game. And if you throw Jimmy G out there who is scared as scared could be with how much he got hit against Detroit, it's going to be a lot of frustration where Adams hates his coach, Jacobs hates his coach, and Jimmy G goes, wow, I'm just going to get abused here. So I don't even know if they win that game yesterday if McDaniels is still the coach. But this is where you just can't believe it. This is Jay Glazer. It's about 50 seconds. I want to play the entire thing because it's jaw-dropping and it's stunning. This is Jay Glazer on Fox detailing the last week or so that was for Josh McDaniels with the Raiders.
4: Last Thursday, there was this big airing of the grievance meeting and players just unloaded on Josh McDaniels from captain to captain to player to player. And finally, Josh McDaniels actually had Antonio Pierce get up and speak on behalf of him. And the coaches went. Antonio Pierce got up there. He said, look, guys, we have to have our own culture. It's got to be about culture here. And we also have to look at it. And he brought up the old Giants team that beat the Patriots Josh McDaniels team in the Super Bowl in 2007 season he said no matter who we played we thought we could beat them we had a game plan that we could beat them we had to believe that and that's not here we have to believe it here at the Raiders we could beat anybody well he finishes up that speech everybody thinks they're great Except for Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels then goes over to him and says, don't ever talk about the Patriots like that. And then you really saw how divided that building got. That got up to Mark Davis. And I think Mark Davis looked at him and go, okay, I'm going to choose the guy who believes that we can win every single week.
0: There's a lot there. That's the understatement of the year. Now, I remember when the report initially came out Where it was like, oh, they had a meeting, it was airing a grievances, and everyone's now on the same page. And I was like, as the kids would say, I'm going to call cap on that. Because I didn't believe that for a damn second. There's no way you could basically undress your coach, your head coach, regardless of what you think in Josh McDaniels, and in a game that is played with alphas and egos, that everyone was going to be on the same page. But to hear Jay Glazer say that basically Antonio Pierce came to save the ass of Josh McDaniels and get everyone on the same page... (laughs) And he goes, we got to have the mentality like the 2007 Giants that slayed at the time the undefeated Patriots and McDaniels, who there's morons and then there's Josh McDaniels as a head coach. And this jackass goes, oh, don't you talk about the Patriots that way? It is one of the more inconceivable things and laughable things that I've ever heard. The great Larry David couldn't even write that script of comedy. McDaniels must have known he was getting fired, and he was auditioning for Saturday Night Live. Because when I heard that over the weekend, my chest was hurting because I was laughing. I fell down. I hit the floor because Antonio Pierce came and saved your ass. And you go, nope, I'm going to throw more gasoline on the fire. How dare you, Antonio Pierce, talk badly about Bill Belichick. So go back to New England and milk the teat of Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, because without him and Tom Brady, you are nothing, absolutely nothing. Oh my God, the incompetence from that bozo, that bozo, it's amazing still, and it shows you how bad your Raiders are. Where he came and got help from Antonio Pierce, and then he just goes, nope. Throw it all in the paper shredder when things are starting to be positive. I-, I couldn't believe that when I saw that yesterday.
3: I couldn't either, and I had the same reaction. I I laughed and I read it like four times before I saw the video uh, of Glazer. I thought it was a fake tweet. I did too. I saw it from yes, Ari Mira first too.
0: from my sports update. I go, someone hacked Ari. <laughs> That's what I thought. Zach Gelb show, CBS Sports Radio.
1: Downs, sacks, upsets, and last-minute heroics. Another NFL Sunday is in the books, and we've got you covered with the biggest plays and sound bites from another wild week in the National Football League. It's time for No Huddle Offense on the Zach Gelb Show. All righty, we start things off in Germany.
0: The Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, we expected a whole lot of points in this one. Well, in the first half, the Kansas City Chiefs had 21 points. One came from a defensive touchdown. The Miami Dolphins only got on the board twice. Those were two touchdowns. They both came in the third quarter. Let's listen up to a wild return for a touchdown off a fumble, and he had a lateral. Here is Brian Cook picking up that football and uh, getting it passed off to him and going into the end zone in Germany. Quick out, bubble screen, Hill, nowhere to go, and the ball came loose, and it's picked up by the
1: Chiefs. Coming down the near sideline, breaking free. This is Brian Cook, trying to take it to the house. He's going to, touchdown! Touchdown, Kansas City! Tyreek Hill caught the pass, got hit immediately, the ball came out, and it was picked up by Brian Cook, who takes it the
0: distance for a touchdown. So there you go, an insane play. And I actually had a conversation with Steve Spagnuolo. We were exchanging some texts after week three. And I said to him, your defense doesn't get enough credit through the first three weeks of the season. I pointed out, you know, how impressed I was with this defense. And Spags, who is a longtime legendary defensive coordinator. I know it did not go out well for him when he was a head coach, uh, you know, uh, uh, all those years ago with the St. Louis Rams but he you know got back to me and he said we're okay with no praise our guys are all in and just want to help the team win got to do it again well they've done it again cuz through the first 9 games of the season and they've only averaged allowing 15.9 points per game so that defense is legit the offense on the other hand it could get a whole lot better for Kansas City Mahomes 185 yards passing did have two passing touchdowns but no receivers were over 35 yards receiving And the Chiefs only had 46 total yards of offense in the second half. But the big takeaway from this game is the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a good team. The Dolphins can win the AFC East for the first time since 2008. But they're not a great team. They're not a Super Bowl contender. And you can't trust them as one of the top teams in the AFC this year. Because up against Buffalo, who's not that good, they got blown out. Then they lose to the Eagles. And then in a game that was winnable... You lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. And even though they were down 21-0, they made it 21-14. Tua is driving late. And on back-to-back plays, Tua had one of the worst underthrows you will ever see. And then the next play, he fumbled the football, and Kansas City gets the victory. Our next game, maybe the most improbable story of the NFL season, Josh Dobbs got traded Tuesday from the Cardinals to the Vikings right at the trade deadline. Josh Dobbs not even supposed to be starting For the Minnesota Vikings, barely even knows his teammates, just knows some of their first names, not even their last names, and they wear the names on the back of the uniform. Well, Jaron Hall gets hurt, has the concussion, in comes Josh Dobbs, he had three total touchdowns in the game, two passing, one rushing, and here was the game-winning six-yard touchdown to Brandon Powell to make this the final 31-28 over the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Dobbs back to pass on third down, he stays in the pocket, fires to the end zone, touchdown!
0: with a six-yard
1: touchdown pass from Josh Dobbs, 30-28 Minnesota with 20 seconds to go.
0: That was the legendary and one of the more entertaining play-by-play guys around the NFL in Paul Allen on the Vikings radio network. Remember when Minnesota started out the season 0-3 and then they were 1-4? Well, they've now won four in a row, defeating the Bears, the 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, and now the Atlanta Falcons. So the question is, Can the Vikings make the playoffs? To get that final wild card spot in the NFC, nine wins? Can they go nine and eight? Well, let's look at the schedule. Saints, Denver, Bears, bye week Raiders. Those are their next four games. If they go three and one in that stretch, they find a way to get to eight wins. And then in the final four games of the season, they have tough games play the Lions twice, they play the Bengals, and they play the Packers. You only got to get one more win. So the key is win three out of your next four and the final four games of the season. Just go win one and you get to nine and eight. You should be able to make the playoffs. Next game, this was the most disappointing game of the weekend. And the reason why I say that is because I thought this was going to be a great close game. And I remember even saying on Friday, the spread doesn't make any sense. And I'm probably going to be a sucker here. And I was when I plus the six and a half points with the Seahawks because they were begging you to plus the six and a half points with the Seahawks and the Ravens steamrolled Seattle by a final score of 37 to three Ravens go to seven and two Seahawks fall to five and three Geno Smith 157 yards and interception Lamar Jackson 187 passing yards 60 rushing yards and Gus Edwards had 52 yards on the ground two touchdowns. He has six touchdowns in his last three games, but let's hear Tyler Huntley towards the end of the game, have a six-yard touchdown pass to the birthday boy, Odell Beckham Jr. Huntley wants to throw. lob to the back corner of the end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! OBJ, his is first a is a Raven. Well, it's a big day of first for the rookie and the veteran. Keaton Mitchell gets his first NFL touchdown, and OBJ gets his first Ravens touchdown. And how about Keaton Mitchell, the rookie undrafted, out of ecu he made the seahawks walk the plank as he's an ecu pirate nine carries 138 yards and a touchdown and isn't that crazy odell beckham jr's first touchdown as a baltimore raven is thrown by tyler huntley but getting to the man that does start at quarterback for the baltimore ravens lamar jackson through the first nine weeks of the season i know we have jets and chargers tonight but no one there is an mvp candidate i gotta say lamar jackson's the mvp of the nfl Mahomes' offense has not been great this year. You look at the Dolphins, they don't have a great win, and they're going to split votes regardless between um, Tyree killing Tuatunga by Lowe. You could make a case for Jalen Hurts, but I've been most impressed this year with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, who are 7-2. and two. We had Daria Gumbawale on earlier from the Texans. He had to get called on to kick when they came out of halftime, because Kimi Fairbairn left with an injury, and he is a running back, wasn't even supposed to be active, but then Damian Pierce was inactive before the game. So their emergency kicker, Daria Gumbawale, was made available. Had a kick late to put the Texans up 33-30, to but then Baker Mayfield tried to ruin that story where he got a touchdown, and then with 46 seconds left, C.J. Stroud got the ball back, and 40 seconds later, he found Tank Dell in the end zone to win the game 39-37. to
1: CJ looking, throwing to the end zone. Got that! Yes! The yes! Stand. Yes! Excel yes. Yes. with the reception! Rock and roll! My goodness! What a comeback! Go Kooks! Let's go!
0: Just absolutely crazy. Texans win the game. They're four-and-four. Four. CJ Stroud, rookie record for passing yards in a game, 470 yards and five touchdowns, and he had three wide receivers over. 110 yards, Noah Brown with a buck 53, Dalton Schultz, the tight end with the buck 30, and then Tank Dell with 114 yards. Baker looked like he had a victory, and then C.J. Stroud said, not so fast, my friend. And C.J. Stroud is already playing like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. We did this a few weeks ago. Like, there's seven, eight quarterbacks you could easily rattle off in the top 10, and then it's like, hummina, hummina, hummina. Well, what C.J. Stroud's doing and elevating the Texans, he's right now a top 10 quarterback, in the National Football League. All righty. Cowboys-Eagles. Looked like the Eagles had this game won, and then the Cowboys were gifted an opportunity. And Dallas gets down to the 6. Somehow they found themselves at the 27. So you go from the Eagles 6, where you think you're going to win the game with 27 seconds left, to all the way to the Eagles 27. So moving further away from the end zone. That's the drama. Dallas choking Cowboys. Even when you think they're playing a good game and about to win a game, then the drama Dallas choking Cowboys pop up. Let's hear the final play of the game where they completed a pass, but C. D. Lamb was tackled short of the end zone.
2: Eagles are five seconds away from going eight and one. Will it happen? Prescott, back again. He steps up. He pumps. He
1: fires. It is caught, but he's tackled tackled a C.D. Lamb at the two-yard line, and the game is over, and the Eagles win. What a heavyweight
4: fight we've witnessed.
0: Crazy that Merrill Reese was doing that game. I guess he was under the weather, the legendary Eagles broadcaster on the Eagles radio network. But you could tell he was playing hurt, but Merrill Reese is a tough guy, and you know taking care of the Dallas Cowboys makes him feel a whole lot better but if people look at this game, like it's easy to dissect the Cowboys. They're fraudulent. They're just a good team, not a great team. Dak played a heck of a game, but two opportunities late to go win the game. He can't get the job done. That's why I don't view Dak Prescott as a franchise quarterback. But it's amazing to me. When we look at these teams week in and week out, and you see teams go up and down where teams win, and you start to believe in them, and then they lose. The Eagles coming off a Super Bowl loss are 8-1. and one. And people are like, oh, how good are the Eagles? Just stop that nonsense. The Eagles are the best team in the NFL. The Eagles are the most well-rounded team in the NFL. And my only concern is Jalen Hurts' health. Because he did leave halftime right before halftime a few seconds early. He's been banged up. That's been well documented. It's a bone bruise. As long as he stays healthy. And I'm assuming the Eagles are going to get the number one seed, I'll be really surprised if the Eagles aren't representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And then finally, this game looked like it was going to be a heavyweight fight. I know it got close late. But... In the beginning, that was probably the best part of this game. Bengals end up winning 24 to 18. Bengals are back, they're 5 and 3. Bills continue this up and down seesaw ride of a year where you just know that they're not an elite team. They're now 5 and 4. But let's hear Joe Burrow toss a 22-yard touchdown pass to Drew Sample. This made it 21 to 7 in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals.
4: Joe has the ball, under pressure, dumps it nice. off short, caught! Drew Sample has a first down to the 10, the nice, five yeah. toward the pylon! Nice. He's in! Touchdown! Beautiful, Bengals! Drew Sample catching a short pass from Joe Burrow and doing the rest on a
0: 22-yard TD! I know they got off to a slow start because of the Burrow injury. We talked about Lamar being the MVP. Joe Burrow continues to do this. He's going to go right into that conversation as well. He's now healthy. The mobility is back. Planting is back for Joe Burrow. He's 31 of 44, 348 yards and two passing touchdowns. And with all the weapons that the Bengals have, who would have thought the only two receiving touchdowns in this game would come from Irv Smith Jr. and Drew Sample. Joe Burrow is just a badass, and the Bengals are one of the best teams in the AFC. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl before the start of the year. And even after a slow start, I still think they're going to find a way to go to Las Vegas and go up against the Eagles. That's your no huddle offense. We'll take a break. We'll come on back. We will preview Chargers and Jets coming up tonight to put a bow on week nine of the NFL season. Update time first. Here he is, the Man, Rich Ackerman. Yo, yo, it is the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's get our final poll calculations of the day, which you could always find on X, which is formerly known as Twitter. I see that's how they've been promoting that these days. At Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. And it's a very simple question today. Who will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, other. Those are the four options. First place, 28.2%. The Cincinnati Bengals. Second place, the Ravens at 27.6%. Third place, the Chiefs at 24.7%. And then other at 19.4%. My vote is the Bengals. They were my Super Bowl pick before the start of the season. Joe Burrow stays healthy. Um, they are a well-rounded team with a defense that gets disrespected and not enough national credit with Luan Rumo leading the way. Hendrickson's been a stud ever since he came over from the Saints, and he's been one of the more underrated defensive players in the sport. And offensively, they just got so many weapons. Like We were just talking about it. Sample and Smith last night scored for them. You would have thought it would have been... Um uh Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. I know Mixon got into the end zone late, but it just shows you the great point guard that Joe Burrow is. So my vote is the Bengals. Stu, who are you taking right now? Nine weeks through the season. I don't think you're gonna say other and go with like the Jets or the Chargers, but I haven't seen him play this week, even though we're gonna see them play coming up in a few hours in a game that I'll be attendance for. Uh, but for you. Uh, who's the best team in the AFC right now that you think will find their way to the Super Bowl, projecting the rest of the season?
3: Clearly, it's the Raiders with, a- with Antonio Pierce leading the <laughs> way. No. Um. Well, one They're undefeated. <laughs> undefeated with Pierce. Um. Could
0: you imagine if this is how it ends? Samter, let me ask you a question here. Let's see how nice of a guy Samter is. Who? We go to a Super Bowl every year. Usually, one person has to stay back. Samter is the producer, he's usually the guy that goes on site. And they say, Stu, when Santa doesn't want to go somewhere, we'll send you, like, what happened with the draft, a.k.a. Santa was dealing with a very young child at the time. Um, Raiders get to the Super Bowl. Do you pass up a trip to Vegas
2: oh, <laughs> to let Stu okay. go to the
4: game? You're assuming <laughs> yeah. I like
2: Stu and I want to do something nice for him. I'm stuck in this room with him for, like, three hours a day.
0: And it's such a ridiculous question. So you, can I give you some advice here? You should probably <laughs> say yes. It's never going to happen. And yeah. by the slimmest of chances that it does, then you just got to stay here for Super Bowl week. Screw yes,
2: Stu. No way. Okay. Yeah, Stu, you're staying here. So Stick much for your being a good down. teammate. You stay here. You're I not will, going anywhere. If
3: they're in the Super Bowl, I will be there. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, Stu will be like, I'll pull some seniority and get someone fired around here. Well, or just relegated uh, back to, to going to the Super Bowl and say, this is, this is big, big Stu. I, I want to go to a game here.
2: How about this? If the Jets get to the Super Bowl, then Stu can go for me.
0: Uh, well. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> no, see. thanks. I'll call out. That's that week. real nice of you. Let me tell you, you're such a benevolent person, Samter. Who's the uh, Who's the best team, though, seriously, in the AFC that you think will get to the Super
3: Bowl? I think it is the Bengals right now. I think they've turned Ooh. a corner. They're healthy. Uh, it's Burrow. It's Chase. It's just, It's so good. It's so tough to, uh, to beat right
0: now. Samter, are we all in on the Bengals? Is this going to be like the mush of all mushes and then... When we get to the Super Bowl and they're not there or the Bengals losing like the division around, everyone's going to say, oh, those are those three dopes on CBS Sports Radio.
2: Absolutely not. I'm going with my Chiefs. And I'm not just saying it because they're my Chiefs. It's the Chiefs.
4: See, you know, like it's Until
2: someone beats the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the, are the team. And it's a fair stance And it's still Patrick Mahomes. And they're getting better mm. every week. The young receivers look better every week. And the defense, like you said, with Spags, they look solid. And until someone can beat the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs.
0: And that's a big reason. I know Lamar Jackson has had success up against Mahomes and the Chiefs before it's all in the regular season, though. The one team that's been able to have success in the regular season and the postseason up against the Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals. Now they split the two AFC championship games, and then the Bengals have won two other regular season games. So that's also a part of it as well, the bravado of the Bengals, even though it screwed them last year because they got two too overconfident. They got too cocky. And their hubris led to their downfall with that stupid Burrowhead statement. But that's the team that I think scares Kansas City the most. All right, it's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day, and it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Cody in Los Angeles says, Zach, if the if the uh, Chargers lose tonight to the Jets, do you think Brandon Staley should be fired? You could submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio, at Zach Gelb using the hashtag. Ask the pros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. o o o O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, it is funny. A prominent former college basketball coach actually said to me, and I said basketball on purpose because that's who he was. He said, you love to fire coaches. And you advocate for so many coaches to get fired. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't love to see coaches get fired. I just don't put up with the same old, same old. And you know someone's not going to work. And they continue to go back to them. And that was done when I was advocating for Brandon Staley to get fired after they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. That was the text that I received for someone that's a friend that was a former college basketball coach. And someone that's well-known. I won't tell you who it is, but...
2: Wait, former basketball coach, well-known. Coach K?
0: Uh, no, Coach uh, K didn't pick up my phone. Damn. He did not. I have tried a Coach K's cell phone before. No luck there. But Brandon Staley, I would have fired him a few weeks ago because it's like, what are we doing? Where are we going? This team has too much talent. And if they lose tonight, even though the Jets have a good defense, but the Jets don't really have much of a resemblance of an offense, why do you continue to employ this guy? And don't tell me, because I used to say this, oh, it's the Spanos family, they're cheap. Mark Davis, who's also cheap, just got rid of Josh McDaniels with four years remaining on the contract. There's only one year remaining on this contract. So I would fire Staley if they lose tonight. I think this is a close game. I do think, though, even with how good the Jets' defense is, that the Chargers are going to be able to outscore the Jets tonight. This has like the makings of 24-17, to 23-13. Like, something in that realm, I think the Chargers win, and we avoid, for at least the rest of uh, the week, the Brandon Staley-Fired conversation. But I don't think he's the answer with the Chargers. Big thanks to Dar Bawali for joining us. Big thanks to each and every one of you for participating in the show. also like to thank Stuart Kovacs and Mike Samter. We out. Bye-bye. Peace!